Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hi everybody, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is part one of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories July 2014 podcast, featuring the theme of circus. The reason we picked that theme is because this episode we welcome some of the fine people from the Upstairs Gallery, a great Chicago comedy venue, and this podcast home for a year to talk about their future endeavors, notably Jangleheart Circus, a fantastic comedy festival happening in Chicago next month. Coincidentally, Jangle Heart Festival tickets and lineup go out tomorrow, so not to tell you what to do, but you might want to follow the Upstairs Gallery Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash upstairsgallerychicago for more info on that. Uh, anyway, you might also know that the physical Upstairs Gallery venue will be closing down at the end of the summer, and we felt it would be cool to recognize a lot of the great times we had and will continue to have thanks to those guys. So in that vein, this episode gets pretty introspective, with guests including gallery proprietor Alex Honnett, local comedian Margot Tameltis, and Nerdalogs members Claire Friedman and Chris Geiger, plus the usual music from Dwight Hassler, Claire, and myself. Now there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up on the Nerdalogs front, and if like Steven Tyler, you don't want to miss a thing. The best place for all nerd news is either our website, www.nerdalogs.com, or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash the-nerdalogs. Uh, in the immediate future, we're throwing a four-year anniversary party this Saturday night at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street at 9 p.m. This is totally free to attend, and there's going to be drink specials all night, plus you get to meet the faces that you hear on a regular basis, which I know just must be super exciting for you. Uh, then this Sunday is our next Your Stories recording. The theme is Fingers Crossed, and crazily, it looks like uh, we're already full for speakers at this one, but you are absolutely welcome to still come check out the show in person. As always, this is a free event, and uh, the recording starts at 7 p.m., and it is also at the public house. Finally, don't forget to check out our other Sweet Nerdalogs podcasts, including Talking Games with Tim and Clayton every Tuesday, MBSing with Mary Beth Smith every Wednesday, and the Nerdalog cast alternating with your stories every Monday. Maybe one day we'll fill out the back of the week, but for now, you only get three of the days. Uh, anyway, that's all we've got for now, friends. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy the show. So we're going to do a, a little sub-theme set now. This is a sub-theme about uh, the the thing that, that killed Dick Grayson's parents. One name for that is a tightrope. <laughs> Make sure that's recording. Yeah. Did it get my joke? Did it get my joke? Preserve forever. You want to tell it again? <laughs> I mean, I'll think of an, an alternate setup and include it later. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> After you. Cause they can't keep on 
some percussive help. Uh, this is an alternate word for a tightrope. You could call it a high wire. That's a really good Take it, I try to not to fake it But I'm when it came down to the party 
know, I know, I know, you're gonna be okay anyway. Well, I try to keep this together after all the opportunities, and I try to stay true to you. sound like Michael Jackson last year, and I think they probably did it the best, so, uh, fuck Blurred Lines. Anyway, <laughs> come on, that song is super sketchy, guys, it's super sketchy. It is, you're not wrong. Uh, so, one of the three of us on stage is gonna tell a story now, it's and me. that, it's Claire! Yay! Man, you know, quick note about those two songs doesn't matter how well you know it as soon as I get on stage I'm just like duh, 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 duh. good talk <laughs> that's not what you guys heard is it I can't enunciate now I'm going to enunciate this is a story about Steve Steve knows I'm telling this story because I texted him earlier tonight and I texted him a long outline of what I was going to say and he said, okay, go for it because he's one for brevity, even though I am not. I heard about Steve before I knew Steve. You see, uh, so this is Steve Persh, uh, Nerdalogs member, current Milwaukee resident, uh, much to the chagrin of all of us. Uh, I heard about Steve before I knew Steve because Steve had come to a uh, event or a, a 
what do you call it when y'all go to the woods together? Retreat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kidnapping. Yeah, yes, a kidnapping. Steve had attended a kidnapping of my uh, improv team the year before I was on it. Um, and so they all knew Steve, and it was like, oh, Steve Persh. Steve Persh is like the hottest guy in the world. And literally, like, they were, like, talking about, like, how they were going to hook up with Steve Persh. And I was like, okay, dudes, this is some random, like, college graduate. Um, and uh, that year I met uh, Steve at an improv festival that was put on at Madison. And then, uh, you know, I briefly talked to him, and, and uh, we went on our merry way. Um I met him again when I moved down to Chicago the last year for my junior year, the next year for my junior year of high school. Uh, college. Co- college, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> woo! College. Uh, I was 20 years old, and I knew basically no one in the city except for a couple of people that I knew through OGM, which was my uh, college improv team. Um, and he was one of the few people I knew. So I started going to every single show that OGM put on, and eventually every show that Steve put on, and we talked more and more, and... We started dating, and it was super. It was super great. I was twenty; he was twenty-five. Um, but other than that, uh, my mother was appalled until she met Steve and was like, "Oh, okay, uh, this is nothing to be worried about." <laughs> Actually, probably the worst thing about Steve and I's relationship and the early part of when we were dating was uh, he was on this uh, team called Anderson Villains, which they were going to add me to until uh, they found out that Steve and I were dating, and then I could no longer be added to that because that was a rule. Um, so I had to wait to make another OGM team uh, before you know they had their own theater and all the team names rhymed. Um, uh, and it was called Functioning Adult, uh, and which was a bunch of Wisconsin mat- grads and Alex Honnett and a couple other people, and that's how I first met Alex Honnett. Uh, and, uh, the reason I wanted to tell this story tonight is because of an email that Alex sent out to all of us. He was like, hey, I'm starting this, like, I'm doing this, like, weird show at my friend's art gallery, um, which later became the Upstairs Gallery. What was the original name for it? Oh, I don't, it was called the Part-Time Gallery. Part-Time Gallery. That was it. Part-Time Gallery. It looked the same, except it had a different name. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we were on that team together for a while, and, uh, I was thinking about it since Upstairs was our guest, and I realized that, uh, a lot of significant moments in that relationship happened at the upstairs gallery, probably mostly because it was down the street from Steve's apartment. So we were there a lot. <laughs> it was a really convenient thing to do. Um, actually, I was there for a show uh, a few months after I graduated from college, and I was really excited because earlier that day I had... Uh, been talking er, earlier that week. I'm sorry. Earlier that week, I I had uh, had a conversation with Kevin Rader via email, and he was like, "Hey, you know, this is kind of out of the blue, but Nerdalogs is short some people, and we need some scabs uh, for our trip to New York." And I was wondering if you would want to go, and I was like, "No." There was a strike going on. <laughs> there was, and uh, and then I was like, "That's stupid for me to say no." So I said yes, and I was really excited about it. And Steve was super supportive. He was like, "Yeah, that's so great that you're doing this. So proud of you. You're the best. Maybe I'll come to New York and like be supportive and all that stuff." And uh, Joe Gennaro was also there. And I met Joe at a show at the Upstairs Gallery. And I was like, oh, what's up? My name's Claire. My name's Joe. Nice to meet you. Except we whispered it because there was a show going on. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, there was a party there afterwards. And so we were all at the party. And there was Kevin Reader and Chris Geiger. And Chris Geiger got really drunk. <laughs> and uh, he, went up, he went up to Steve. And he, he or no, he went up to no one. He said to himself, 
you know who I really like? Steve Persh. I'm going to ask him to come to New York with us, too. And he, and he did, without consulting anyone else. <laughs> um, and so that and so Steve kind of put him off for a second, and then that night we talked about it. He was like, yeah, no, I don't really want to, like, step in on this thing that you're doing. You're really so excited about it. And I was like, look, man, like, make this decision independent of me, independent of dating me. If it's a thing that you would want to do without me being there, then it's a thing that you should do. So he said yes, too, and he came along with us. And I was a little bit miffed. Um, <laughs> because it was kind of like my new cool thing, and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, my boyfriend's here. <laughs> Lame. Uh, but that was not a problem for very long. Uh, <laughs> a few months after that, uh, Steve, Joe, and I had our first official show with the Nerdalogs, uh, and it was at the Des Plaines Comedy Festival, which was as packed as it sounds like it would be. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, you don't know a great show until you're in a 600-seat auditorium with your parents and a few other people sitting in tables in the front of every seat. <laughs> that was great. That was a super stressful day for me because it was my first show. I needed to learn all these lines. I needed to drive everybody there, which, like, really stressed me out at the time. And I hadn't dealt with it, my anxiety issues at the time. So that was compounding it. And we had to go straight from this show to this huge Nerdalogs two-year anniversary party that we were planning at the Upstairs Gallery. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I drive – I drop everybody off and I realize that I forgot something – important and I who the fuck knows what it is but I'm like okay I'm flipping out right now I'm super stressed out I'm like gonna I spent an hour in the car I'm gonna have to spend another hour in the car and so I like grab Steve and I'm like hey Steve like this is what I need you to do I need you to do this this and this I need you to take my car keys I need you to go to my place and get this because I can't stand driving anymore I need you to do this and this and this and Steve was like whoa why are you so mad at me I was like Steve I'm not mad at you I need to go have a panic attack in the office of the upstairs gallery right now. <laughs> and these this is the only way I can say words without crying. So just like, please do all these things and I need to go hide. And so I did that and I went and I had my panic attack in the upstairs gallery. And Alex Hanek brought me a glass of water and he looked really scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in addition to it being the new... Nerdalogs two-year anniversary. That was a little after Steve and my two-year anniversary. We had been dating for about two years, two months. And that was May 31st. And then the next morning, we woke up, and Steve looked at me, and he said, so what was going on last night? And we talked, and it started out as a conversation about how to better my anxiety and uh, how, to, how we could communicate better and deal with each other. And then it became a talk about you know, other things we were unhappy with and things that we hadn't been talking to each other about. And then it became a conversation of, oh, no, we need to break up, don't we? And so we talked about having a break, and then we were like, we're not going to go on a break. We have to break up, don't we? And it was very sad. Uh, and it's still very sad, but we were happy that we were able to break up before either one of us hurt each other or betrayed the other one. And then I still had Alex Talavera's big screen TV in my trunk. So I needed to, immediately after that breakup, drive to Alex Talavera's house and give him back his TV from the party the night before. And so the first people to know that Steve and I had broken up were Nerdalogs member Alex Talavera, an upstairs gallery house team member, and almost perfect stranger at the time, Tim Dunn. <laughs> Let me tell you how Tim does with emotional interactions. <laughs> Very poorly. 
So Alex looked at me. He said, Claire, what's wrong? I said, Steve and I just broke up. And Tim looked like he'd just been attacked. <laughs> and I and I said, Tim, you got, Alex, you guys don't need to say, it's fine. Like, I, you're in an uncomfortable position right now. I'm just here to drop off the TV and go. And Tim said, good, thank you. <laughs> um, Steve offered to quit the Nerdalogs when we broke up. Uh, and I told him not to. Because uh, we wanted to see if we could stay on the team together um, and still be friends, even though we weren't dating anymore. And if it hadn't been for everybody like being really accommodating and cool about it, we probably couldn't have pulled it off. Because for a few months after we broke up, we wouldn't go to rehearsals at the same time. We alternated um, back and forth. Uh, but um, we did stay friends. And uh, amazingly... Uh, as your stories continued to be at the upstairs gallery and we continued having shows there, uh, we, you know, developed this weird, impossible, shouldn't be happening friendship, um, that we continue to this day. Uh, and it's funny because, uh, our friendship is, is so enormously platonic, but very close now, um, that it's really hard to explain to new people, um, but, uh, yeah, I actually met his now girlfriend, Paige, at the upstairs gallery. <laughs> I was like writing this down. I was like amazed at all the things that happened. Um, I met Paige at upstairs gallery and she is just the sweetest, most wonderful person in the world. Um, and there couldn't be a better person out there for Steve. Um, and a while ago I was talking to my mom right after I found out that Steve was moving to Milwaukee. And I said, yeah, Steve and Paige are moving up to Milwaukee. And my mom was like, Oh honey, that's so sad for you. <laughs> and I was like, why? It's fine. <laughs> and she and she said, well, it's just, you know, it's ju- it's just a sad thing. And I said, what? So Steve and I break up and, like, the two, uh, the options are, like, he's alone forever. I'm the last person he ever dates. Uh, or he dates someone terrible. Or he dates someone who's really nice and lovely and smart, um, like Paige. And I, and I really could not be happier. And it's, uh, it's interesting that, these things are coinciding because uh, a couple weeks ago now, Steve moved to Milwaukee, um, and I'm very sad to have lost such a close and wonderful friend. Um, but, you know, we've talked several times since then, and, and it's it still feels like he's a person I can reach out to and a person I can have a lot of discussions with about things like computers or the nerdologues um, or telling a story. <laughs> um, and Upstairs Gallery is closing this summer, too, and so it's all kind of that whole chapter is coming to its end. Um and uh, it reminded me of something that uh, I don't remember which one of us said it, but um, either Steve or I said it to each other while we were breaking up during that breakup conversation. And it's something that uh, it's a feeling that we've reiterated since, which is um, even though you're not the person I was supposed to be with, I don't know how I would have gotten through the last two years without you. And I think that's continued with him as a friend as well. And I, um, I'm just really happy that we were able to, build that up and maintain that and we had friends that could support our weird friendship um and it's a good reminder that things don't have to last forever to be really important i really want when alex comes up here to tell his story in a little bit i want him to unveil that this has all been like a master plan like you've been pulling all these strings for years like you were behind their relation no that's not gonna happen it's the weirdest thing to hear stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really weird. Yeah? like you know almost none of that no i know none of that and yeah now, and now <laughs> it's all on you buddy 
But before Alex speaks, we have another newcomer to your stories, a local improviser. I believe she met Kevin at The Mixer, which is something that you should plug at this more often because it's a really fun thing that you do. I'm all about people plugging this stuff because, you know, we all support each other, guys. This is Margot Tameltis. Uh, so something about me is that I am always full of apologies and disclaimers, so uh, I apologize for that. And uh, <laughs> and uh, my disclaimer would be this doesn't really super suit the theme of circus, but it does feature my father, so in that sense it's appropriate. And uh, so I'll dedicate this telling to him, uh, who I did not wish Happy Father's Day to, and who recently unfriended me on Facebook as well. So <laughs> this is for you, Dad. Um, all right. When I was eight years old, I got lost in the central train station in Munich. It was West Germany back then. None of us spoke any German. My father is actually Turkish, and we had been living in Istanbul that year. My American mother taught biology at an English-language lycée. Uh, I went to third grade at a normal Turkish elementary school, wore the traditional unisex uniform, a black dress, a white embroidered collar, When I got home from school, I would peel off the dress and play with my sister in the backyard in my undershirt and woolen stockings. My baby sister Denise was almost walking. She would teeter around the room while holding onto furniture or fingers. Uh, The four of us lived in a shabby, cozy little apartment in Kadikoy on the Asian side of the city. But something was wrong with my sister. She still wasn't walking. Though we didn't know it then, she never would walk. In time... She would be strapped into a wheelchair, unable to lift her head or to drink juice without uh, thickener mixed into it to keep her from choking. After the gurgling sing-song of babyhood, she never spoke. But back then, she was just a laughing blonde baby who was not developing as quickly as expected. My dad's family called her Tembel, lazy, and told my mom not to worry. But my mother, who was younger at the time than I am now, insisted that something was wrong. Uh, We spent that spring in Germany. I understood that the doctors were better there. A succession of neurologists poked and prodded and scanned my sister's naked body, taught my parents exercises with her fragile limbs, but offered no diagnosis. In Munich, near our hotel, there was a broken gumball machine. We discovered it by accident the first time when our coin came back to us along with our gumball, We developed a habit of passing by the machine every day, taking just a couple of gumballs at a time. By the time we packed our bags to return to Istanbul, the gumball machine was empty. (laughs) And we still had no diagnosis for my sister. We never would have one. The summer before Denise started getting sick, my family took a car tour along the Turkish coast. I was seven years old, and my sister was a beautiful, blue-eyed, rosy-haired baby crawling in the sand with me on the beach. Nine months later, she is frail and still. She can no longer crawl. Our little family is returning uh, from Munich to Istanbul via night train through Yugoslavia. Our train hasn't arrived yet. My dad sends me to buy him some cigarettes. The station is huge and made of glass. The trains come in all in a row, down ten or more identical platforms. I count each one carefully so I can find my way back to my dad. 
I find a kiosk, but the lady won't sell me cigarettes anyway. I'm just a kid. I look up at her in her glowing cabinet. There's a teddy bear in the window, and I wonder if I can buy the teddy bear instead since she won't sell me the cigarettes. On my way back, I count each platform carefully again and walk up the one I remember. I can't find my family. In increasing panic, I walk up and down all of the platforms, searching desperately for my parents. Uh, in the end, I'm wandering through the station, terrified. But I am also ashamed enough that each time I scream for my parents, I immediately pretend it isn't me screaming. Shame and fear battle it out in my throat, but no one around takes notice of me. Then, suddenly, there is my father, racing towards me, pushing an empty luggage cart. He throws me onto the cart, and we race for our departing train. My cinematic memory has us leaping onto the train as the whistle blows, and we pull out of the station, bound for Istanbul through Yugoslavia and other countries that no longer exist. That train journey marks the last memory I have of my family as a foursome. My parents' green card marriage will not survive the weight of tragedy. Soon after we return to Istanbul, they separate, and my mother, my sister, and I will move back to the U.S. alone, to a studio apartment in the Hate. My sister's illness will progress dramatically until her death when I am 13. Those are years I haven't learned to tell yet. All I can look at are these glimpses of our life just as it begins to crack, before my childhood is rewritten by tragedy. I am lost in a train station. I am eating a gumball. Beyond these small moments, I begin to crack myself. I ache for a beach and two small sisters playing in the surf. I ache for a summer when I was a child and bore no burden. I don't know if any of this is true. But there are no more trains from West Germany passing through Yugoslavia on their way to Istanbul. Yugoslavia doesn't exist. My father was never a hero. No matter how many ways I tell this story, I can't find my way back to that beach any more easily than I could find my way any more easily than I could find my way up the right platform, though I try and try again. Thank you very much, Margot. Man, usually I, this has been an especially heavy night. I feel like, which is funny because the theme is circus, man. Like, what do we have to pick? Like, uh, no, no, no one should apologize. It's just so strange. Sorry, I'm not sorry. Life's Don't. A circus, there you go. Life's a circus. Clowns are scary. That's fucking true. Clowns are scary. So, Claire's story mentioned this gentleman a lot. I recently come to know him, although we did uh, shack up in his wonderful venue for a year doing your stories, which I loved that time very much. Uh, I've come to know him through playing Magic the Gathering with him. He has some really great decks and is a is a cool dude, Alex Honnett. Oh, man. Hey, guys. 
so I was going to tell a story about my dad uh, and his relation to Jenglehart Circus, which I will mention briefly in a second. But everyone, uh, I was reminded by so many things by your stories and was so moved that I'm actually going to read something that I'm working on for when the gallery really does close. So I would ask that uh, you don't tell anyone you heard this because it's going to be uh, – it's a work in progress still. But I, I, I feel like I have to acknowledge all the truth you guys put out there with something that's a little bit more, more prepared. So thank you all so much. This has been amazing. Um, first thing I want to talk about was Final Fantasy VI. Um, because I'm also a huge fan of that game, and I don't think they've really made a game other than Chrono Trigger, maybe, that, like, tells a story as well that I have ever been as attached to. Preach! Seriously. (laughs) So, the way I got Final Fantasy VI, I was living in Japan at the time, and we would come back in the summers for home leave, uh, to basically, like, see family and stuff like that. And, uh, I couldn't read Japanese, so we had to find, uh, an American copy of it. And, uh, it was, like, 1996, so it had been out for two years, so this was hard to do. So I drove with my mom from mall to mall around Seattle, in Tacoma, Washington, trying to find a used copy of Final Fantasy VI that I could buy and play on my Super Nintendo. And we found one after two hours. So my mom, amazing trooper for sticking with it, I got home, put it into... Uh, I had to wait all summer till I got home in Japan, put it in my, uh, my Super Nintendo, and there was already a, a game in there that was loaded, so I, I, pit, I opened it up, and it was in Kefka's Tower, and it was all the characters. And they had all been renamed Fart, Jizz, Cum... <laughs> Sluts. All these incredible things. And I just thought that was funny, so I wanted to tell you guys about that. Um, thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, the second thing is that uh, um, when you he- when you do something like the Upstairs Gallery has been for me, uh, you have one experience with it. Um, and then everyone else who comes and is a part of it or experiences it has their own. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really weird to hear stories like that where, you know, it, my experience is so grounded in the minutia of the day to day of living there and, uh, booking it and like all sort of like the work. And then the brief sort of respites from the work of like the shows and the creative stuff and people who are there who you like. Um, but you don't really see a lot of the, the life that happens there, you know, because it's part of your life. So when you hear stuff like that, it's really strange um, and very cool. And I hope more people can experience stuff like that because uh, it's it's really rewarding in a way that I can't really communicate. Um, uh, my dad had went a cardiac arrest the first week uh, when I started a new job that he helped me get. And I got a phone call from my mom when I was on the train to my third day of work. And she said, are you sitting down? I was sitting down on the L and it was like, yes, I am sitting down. Uh, your dad's, uh, he was missing. He was, I had a cardiac arrest when he was jogging. We don't know what's happening. I'm calling you on the way to the hospital. And it was very, very scary. And it just so happened that I was flying to New York for training, uh, later on that week. So I flew two days early and I got to see my dad. And, uh, it's really, really weird to see someone you love, uh, when they are non-responsive because it's like, oh God, there, there's just, you see that person, but they're not there. But he got better, <laughs> and he's alive right now. And uh, last summer, when we put on Jangle Heart Circus, he came out for all three days and took it really seriously. Um, <laughs> he came alone and had me mark down on the, the schedule exactly what he should see, and he did that like exactly. Um, on, the, on Saturday, uh, he came out and basically just sat in the lobby playing the mandolin while I was running around and doing stuff. And like uh, when I was like setting up a room or something like that, I could hear in the background like, this famous noise of him playing mandolin, and it was like another really, really weird, very rewarding experience. Uh, so I hope you guys all don't have that, but have something like that happen to you. Um, now I will read the thing that uh, I, I've been writing. Um, this might not mean a lot to some of you guys. They are very specific, insidery things for people who have been to the gallery a lot. Um, but I hope some of the feeling comes through for it. 
Hey guys, so at this point of the night, Alex read something he's been working on that's not going to be officially shared till the gallery closes up shop. So if you were wondering if there's any incentive for you to come to the live shows versus just listening at home, uh, there's extra content that you're missing. Uh, plus you get to see all of our beautiful faces, but listening at home is cool too. We love you. Uh, thank you guys all so much. This was really, really fun. Thanks, Alex. I know you didn't want to do too much looking backward, but thank you for sharing. Uh, as someone who has also closed down a business, I don't know. It's weird, like it, because I'm totally with you. Like you know, you don't see the the social aspect of it as much when you're actually doing the nitty gritty of running it. But it's it's really interesting to hear other perspectives of that. So I'm glad that you got some of that from Claire, and uh, I'm glad that everyone got to share tonight. It was really wonderful. We're gonna close things out with one more Nerdalogs member, Mr. Chris Geiger, wants to tell a story. Yeah. No. I want to say, to one of my favorite Your Stories memories was two years ago to this day, the Upstairs Gallery. It was Father's Day. Chris's parents were in the audience, and the theme was revelry, and he told a story about just tripping balls in college, about how he thought that his hands were like Hulk action figures or something. I shot space stations Yeah, you shot space stations out of your fingers. That's what it was. Uh, and the boldness of that has always stuck with me, so... That's, that's one of my upstairs. Well, my parents are going to hear it anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> they listen to all the podcasts. They're so supportive. <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, this is this is circusy. Um, so I went to college for acting, ostensibly. Not originally, but that's where I ended up. Uh, super lucrative degree, by the way. Uh, I totally recommend it. It's so choice. Uh, <laughs> Your career options are literally endless. You can work in any field at an entry level, so long as it doesn't require any real discernible skill. Uh, most of the acting classes were like those of you who took improv classes, pseudo-life lessons couched in a grade at the end of it. Uh, you get graded on how much you could feel emotions. Uh, and this was certainly the degree for me. Uh, and one of... One of the classes we had to take was a styles class, i.e. acting styles, i.e. fucking around. Uh, we would do mask work and learn how to move on stage, but one of the most uh, memorable styles was clowning. Uh, and I know that talking about a bit is about as interesting as having someone uh, tell you the side effects of prescription drugs or something like that. Uh, but I'm going to try to talk about my first and only attempt at clowning. <laughs> We only had two requirements. We had to wear a bull, which is a clown nose, the big red nose that you put on your face, and have a clown name. Uh, I don't remember the clown name, uh, but I promise it was great and everyone loved it. Uh, my bit was simple. I entered the stage looking dejected, dragging a garbage bag filled with props and costumes behind me. Then I would find an audience volunteer to come up on stage I dressed them up in the props and costumes and then put a clown nose, a bull on their face of their own. Then I would take their seat in the audience and I would begin to laugh at them. <laughs> Simply put, I'm certainly a troll. <laughs> uh, but in my mind, this is a very life sort of thing. Uh, I put a lot on that person and then I left them there for minutes. At first, people were watching me. Uh, saying how I reacted. But then slowly, they began to turn towards that person on stage because they were on stage. And the audience member, not knowing how to act, would begin to feel very uncomfortable. 
and the audience began to turn against them. See, my dad said the phrase relax to me a lot when I was growing up. It's something, it became something of a personal mantra. Whenever I faced, whenever faced with the world and with stress, a voice chips into my brain and that just says, relax. And I settled down. And the heart of that is that the world gives us punches and we can take them and roll with them. Or we can dig in our heels and lament our situations and look inward while blocking out the outside world. The world did this to me, so what's wrong with me? So as the audience member would grow increasingly uncomfortable, I eventually jumped up and gave them something to do. Uh, I taught them how to juggle poorly, and then I returned to my seat. Well, their seat. (laughs) They would make some attempts, and then the audience would begin roaring with laughter and approval at them. And they would embrace them and accept them. Now, as a clown, this drove me crazy. (laughs) To the point where I couldn't stand their acceptance, and I would go up, strip them of their clown gear, and return them to their seat. And that was the end of the bit. You know, sometimes I look back on this to remind myself not to take myself so seriously. My clown bit, to me, was the attempt to prove that when you laugh with the world, the world will laugh with you. We all want to be important, but while it's more, while it's nice to be important, it's more important to be nice and ultimately relax. Then when I walked off stage, I had set up one last bit. As I made it to the edge of my back, of the backstage, my pants would fall down. (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) Thank you. Those pants up to save his life. All right, guys, we have reached the end of our stories. We got one more song. Dwight, come on up here. Woo! Yeah. Guys, thank you to everyone who shared tonight. You are all wonderful people. We do this the third Sunday of every month, which next month will be July 20th. Keep an eye on our Facebook for more information about that. The podcast will come out in July, um, second and fourth Monday of the month. Uh, what else do I need to plug? Lord Jim of the Heart. Well, yes, absolutely. Jangle Heart Circus, which takes place when, Alex? August 21st, 22nd, 23rd. All right. And there's how many groups performing this year? A lot. A lot of groups. The Nerdalogs are one of them, but definitely not the uh, the only one. Probably over 100. Over 100. So it's going to be a super great time. We I think we're doing your stories there as well. Yes. So uh, we did that last year. We had Aaron McGathy on, which was... Really flattering for me. Uh, I thought that was awesome. Did you know she was going to be there? No, I had Mark Coolen told me I should just point blank ask her if she wanted to be on my podcast. I, I'm like, no one introduced me to her, and I'm furious about it. Really? <laughs> you should blame Mark Coolen. Yeah, I <laughs> for so many things. Um, also, Lord of the Wrigley, the Fellowship of the Cubs, running two more weeks: Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. In this, or sorry, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. In this space, it's a really cool show that our logs worked hard on, and. Uh, you might like it if you like baseball or Tolkien, or if you hate baseball, uh, you will also like it. Do we have a theme for next one? We don't have a theme for Third next birthday. one. birthday. Is your birthday the 20th of June? My golden birthday is the 25th. Ooh. We should be, we should be golden. Golden showers <laughs> is the theme for next month. <laughs> Maybe we'll let Claire pick the theme. So I just wanted to uh, sing the song that Alex mentioned in this monologue here. No, not really. <laughs> this is uh, this is a thing you might see at the circus. Thank you all again for coming, by the way. Wonderful night, and give it up for Claire one more time on vocals. She's not gonna have a song, but we're not done yet. Clap for us later. All right, a one, a two, one, two, three, four.
love is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down and the flames went higher and it burns, burns, burns the ring of fire Please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.